Amen. So we're going to the word. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 60. Amen. Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to start there and then we're going to flip over to the book of Matthew. I'll give you that in a second. Isaiah chapter 60 is where we're going to lift off this morning. Uh, cha uh, chapter 60 verse 1. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Amen. Let's go now to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 is where we'll pick it up there. And I'm reading verses 14 through 16 again out of the New King James Version this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm going to read verse 16 again. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. If you'll bear with me a little bit today, I just want to talk about this little light of mine. Amen. This little light of mine. Glory to God. You all remember that song uh, back in the day. It's this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And then he used to say this, he say, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I heard you say it, yeah. Shine it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I know y'all were singing with me. Amen. Thank you for getting in there and hanging with me. Amen. Glory to God. This little light of mine is what we're going to talk about. You know, the Lord calls each of us to be a light in a dark world, no matter our age, no matter our biblical knowledge, our ministry position, or no ministry position, amen, no matter the length of time that we've been saved, we are called to let the Lord, watch this, use us to illuminate dark places. In contrast, however, the enemy wants us to remain comfortable in the darkness. You know, when I was in military aviation, we had to be able to fly in three different conditions. We had day, of course. We had uh, under night vision goggles, the kind of uh, night vision devices we would use. But we also had to be able to fly at what we call night or unaided. We had to fly at night without the goggles. Amen. And there was always a little angst 
about flying unaided. You're trying to operate with very limited vision. You had the crew. Uh, I was a flight medic, so I had my patients' lives in my hands, and you had a real sense of caution about it. We, we primarily flew at night with the goggles, but we had to get so many hours of flight flying at night unaided. Now, before we went out to fly at night unaided, we had to sit in a dark room for about 30 minutes to become what we call dark adapted. We had to get dark adapted. And the longer we sat in the dark, the more we got accustomed to it, it became easier to operate in the darkness. It, it, it's kind of neat because there's a physiologic response where as you're sitting in the dark, your eyes, your pupils begin to dilate to try to allow as much light as they can get in. The chemicals in your eyes will adjust to be able to, so you can distinguish things at night, amen? And these, the, the, along with the physiologic changes, and the training that we received, it gave us a little more confidence and comfort to be able to operate at night. Now, the danger in becoming too comfortable in the darkness is that your attitude starts to change because then you can become a little arrogant and lose some of that apprehension that you should naturally feel when you're operating a helicopter at night. Amen. And it's what causes us to be comfortable and a lot of times, excuse me, causes us to be cautious. And a lot of times, the majority of aviation accidents happen when people are flying at night, especially when we're flying unaided. You can also see this in a, if you're just walking around your house at night and we get a little more comfortable thinking we know where the bedpost is and we're just kind of walking around the edge of the, the bedpost. I see a lot of broken toes in our clinic from hitting that toe on the edge of the bedpost. That's how you know if you're really safe. What comes out your mouth at night when you hit the edge of the bedpost, amen? But see, when you're, when you're dark adapted, a little bit of light makes a huge difference. Amen? If somebody, if we were sitting in that room and we were getting dark adapted and somebody opened the door, uh, it would almost be blinding because we've been so accustomed to the dark that a little bit of light makes a big difference. Now, of course, once we got to flying and we were able to flip down our NVGs, uh, our night vision goggles, what we call them, uh, oh man, it was game on because the NVGs work in such a way where they take whatever light they can find. I mean, the, the tiny atoms, the photons of light, even the starlight, and they take it and they put it in this chamber and they bounce these atoms back and forth to magnify the light. So that's why you're able to see at night, amen? You're able to operate in the light even though you're in the dark. See, family, the enemy wants us to remain dark adapted. He wants us to become so accustomed to the darkness that it doesn't bother us anymore. Amen. He, he constantly exposes us to the darkness in the media, in society, in music, through people, through policies, so that we won't be bothered by the darkness anymore. And of course, once we're accustomed to the darkness, we just kind of grow arrogant about the way we do things. We'll even find ourselves, even as Christians, come on somebody, we'll find ourselves defending the darkness. Amen. And what happens is it, it, we, we become so um, unbothered, unaccustomed to darkness that we find ourselves crashing or we end up allowing somebody else to crash. But I believe that people are looking for the light. Amen. Just like as you're in the dark, your pupils naturally dilate to look for the light. It says whatever source of light. Why? Because we naturally desire the light. Amen. We were created to be in the light. Amen. And Jesus wants us to shine. And just like night vision devices, he wants us to be able to take the light that he gives us, 
put it on the inside, allow it to bounce around and be magnified, amen, and so we can operate in the light even though we may be surrounded by darkness. Family, it's time to shine. It's time to let your light shine, amen. When we look around in our society today, we will see many, many areas where we've become dark adapted. Let's look at a couple of these in scripture. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. This is one of the areas where we've become dark adapted. He says, again, a new commandment I write to you, this thing which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Look at this, verse 9. He, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. One of the areas we become dark adapted is in race relations. In dealing with other people, we've got a lot of bigotry, a lot of prejudice, a lot of disunity going on. And we say that we love God, but we hate our brother or our sister who doesn't look like us. We hate the folks that go to a different church because they don't believe the same things the same way. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, heaven or hell issues. I'm just talking about differences of opinion when it comes to interpreting of the word. But, but God said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that ye have love toward one another. But we become so dark adapted that we say we love God, but yet we hate our brothers. Look at verse 10. He says, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I believe there's a lot of blind people walking around thinking they can see. A lot of times we think we can see okay, but we're hating our brother or our sister. And we don't realize the impact that that has on the body of Christ and what God wants to do in our society. We become dark adapted. Amen. Another area where we become dark adapted is in our media. Our media, our media choices, movies that we watch, shows that we watch, things that we're exposed to. Amen. Being on Facebook, Instagram, not that Facebook and Instagram in and of itself is a is a bad thing it's how it's used it's how it's used because we're here we are we're using it for the glory of god amen look at this let's go to matthew chapter 6 verse 22 matthew chapter 6 verse 22 it says the lamp of the body is the eye if therefore your eye is good your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's talk about this for a little bit. He says the lamp of the body is the eye. It means basically where you take in light. What's designed to take in light is the, the eye, right? So just like I was talking about with the pupils is they dilate in darkness. They dilate and they take in whatever's presented to it. And the enemy knows this. And so what he does is he makes sure that our media is flooded with darkness, flooded with his agenda. And we take that in and it attempts to snuff out the light that's in us. He said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, if the things we're watching is good, if the things we're taking in is good, then it causes the light to be amplified in our body. But if the things we're taking in are evil, if the things we're taking in are full of darkness, it snuffs out the light. He says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Have you ever been watching something and it started to affect the way that you feel? 
You know, maybe there's a there's a, a scene, and, and I'm gonna just be just be transparent. Maybe there's a scene of, of nudity or something like that, or a, a, a sex scene in a movie, and it starts to have an impact on how you feel in your body. You know what I'm talking about, Amen. That again, you we have to be careful. He says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Why? Because we're taking darkness in. He says, if therefore the light that's in you is darkness, how great, how deep is that darkness that's in us? We have to be careful when our, with our media choices. We have become dark adapted. Another area we become dark adapted is in loving things of the world. Again, the world's mindset, the world's thinking, the world's way of doing things. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, this is having a deep affection for the things of the world. Look at verse 16. Talk about what these things are. For all that is in the world, three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All sin fits in one of those three categories. Amen. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life says all of these things is not of the Father, but is of the world. Said the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. We, we can have a tendency to begin to love and crave and desire the things of the world. The way the world does their finances, the way that their world views riches, the way that the world sees our, uh, the decisions that we can make, the types of things that we want in our society. We can feel like, well, even though it doesn't line up with scripture, it's okay because of this. And we begin to justify the way we do things because of our flesh, because of our pride. Amen. We've got to be careful because the enemy is trying to lull us to sleep and become dark adapted. Amen. And the really sad part, what we're seeing is we can end up seeing false teachers, false prophets, people in the church that are teaching doctrines of men. Okay. Instead of the, the commandments of God, we're, we're teaching traditions and things like that. And we're making the word of God, the Bible says, of none effect. We've got to watch out because we know that in the last days, the Bible tells us that false teachers will come into the church. And if it be possible, they'll lead astray the very elect. Amen. They lead astray the elect because the elect are going to sleep. Because we're loving darkness more than we love the light. Family, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful about what we're hearing, what we're aligning ourselves with. Amen. We've got to be wise. The Bible says, be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We've got to walk with our eyes open. And see what's going on in this world. Amen. You have to walk. The Bible tells us to walk. They use this word circumspectly. It means walk with the biblical worldview. Everything I see, I want to judge it based on the word. Amen. I can't get lulled to sleep by the tactics of the enemy. He's tricky. Amen. And he will get over on us if we allow him to. Family, we are called to be different. We're called to be different. We're not called to be in darkness. We God called us out of darkness, what? Into his marvelous light. Amen. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 1. Flip back to chapter 1 in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that what? That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him 
and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God has called us to be different. He's called us to stand out. Amen. He's called us to look like him and reflect the light of God in a dark, dark world. Amen. But we can't say we have fellowship with him and still act like the world. Amen. We can't say we have fellowship with him and just say, well, God knows my heart and I can't stop doing what I'm doing. and I can't change. But he understands. Yes, he knows your heart and he wants you to change. He wants us to repent. Amen. That that argument is over. That excuse is over. Amen. We, we can't just say, OK, God, you understand my heart. Yes, he does. And he said, I'm trying to help to bring you out of darkness. What sense would it have made for Israel to say, well, we're stuck in this bondage in Egypt. Here we are and, and we want to be free, but God knows our heart. So we'll just stay right here. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. God is calling us to be different. Amen. Why? Because we're in a dark world and he needs somebody he can bring them to. He needs somebody to show his light in the world so he can continue to deliver people out of their darkness. Amen. This is why he sent Jesus Christ. This is why the father sent Jesus Christ to deliver us from the darkness. Look at John chapter 12 verse 46. John 12 46. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Amen. Flip back to John chapter 3 verse 16. We know this is, you'll see this on cards and on, on posters. Amen. All over. But, but we got to understand what he's saying here. He says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, I'm a whoever, glory to God, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. See, when people start, I'm going to just put a pin right here. When people start telling you that there's more than one way to God, that, that you can believe in Jesus and I can believe in Muhammad and Allah and we're just worshiping the same God. That's not what this says. This says he who believes in him is not condemned. That him is Jesus Christ. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God family. As we're witnessing the people, I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm going here. When we're witnessing the people, man, stop talking to people about their lives and the things. Oh, you're doing this and you're doing that and you're on your way to hell. What's going to send people to hell is because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Start there. Start there. Jesus is able to clean us up just like he cleaned me up, just like he cleaned you up. We're, we're focusing and, and condemning folks. That's not how Jesus did it. Now, I'm not saying there's not something wrong with their lives. I'm not saying they don't need to change, but that's not where you start. What's going to send people to hell is not believing in Jesus. That's what he says right here in verse 18. Start there. Start there. Jesus came to people and he would heal people. He would touch people's lives. He would minister to them and then he'd bring them out. And then he'd say, now go and sin no more. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The only ones that he approached with that with the attitude about and calling them out and, and getting on them was the Pharisees. Why? Because they said they were right already. They said they were good already. So that's where he had to deal with them. Amen. Go back to verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe 
is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation right here. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus brought light into the world and we wanted to stay in the darkness. He brought the light and we wanted to stay in the darkness. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. This is why the devil wants you to stay in the darkness. He wants you to be dark adapted. He wants you to get used to the darkness. Why? He says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. This is important right here. He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I'm not saying we're trying to be seen. We're doing good deeds so that the light can be seen. Oh, hear what I'm saying this morning. We're not trying to get attention for ourselves. We're bright. We're just trying to reflect the light that has been shined on us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalms 18, 28 says it this way. It says, for you will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he wanted to do from the Old Testament. And so he sent Jesus Christ and Jesus spoke to them. He said, listen, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Amen. He says, I'm the light of the world. You can find that in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me. The one that follows me, Jesus Christ, he says, the one that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Why? Because he's the light. Hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 13. So he takes us through this process again of salvation. Then he gives a, he, he transforms us. Amen. He, he changes our hearts. Amen. Romans 13. It says the verse 12, excuse me, Romans 13, verse 12. It says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, this is transformation. This is sanctification. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife, not in envy. All these areas that the enemy wants us to remain dark adapted. He says, no, don't walk there. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Yes, God wants us saved, but he also wants us sanctified. Amen. He wants us delivered again out of darkness, but into his marvelous light. He says, I want you to walk in the newness of life or you have the, the light of life. Amen. I want you to walk in that and I will draw. I will send. I will pull other people to the brightness of your light. Oh, glory to God. And that's where he gives us again the ministry of reconciliation. So we have salvation. We have transformation and sanctification, and then we receive the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to say it again. We have salvation, 
Then we have transformation and sanctification so we can receive and do the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Let's look at how he called Paul and what he said to, to Saul, who became Paul, if you will. Amen. In Acts chapter 26, he's telling this story. Acts chapter 26, verse 16. He's telling the story of his conversion. And this is what he said he, when he bowed down. He, of course, we know the story. He was on the road to Damascus going to persecute Christians. And Jesus showed up and they saw a bright light. Amen. And the light blinded him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The light blinded him. Amen. And he was in darkness for three days. Hallelujah. Just like a death. And when he was down, he, Jesus told him, he says, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Watch this. This is the purpose to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Family, Jesus called you to help bring other people out of darkness into the light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. That's why you're here. That's why you're saved. Amen. He wants to enlist you in the army that pulls people from darkness to light. Amen. But you've got to let your light shine in order to do it. You've got to let your light shine. Amen. He called us to be the light because of what's happened to us, because we've been saved, because we've been transformed, because we've been sanctified. He says, now what I want you to do is I want you to go and be the light. I want you to shine. I want you to let your little light shine. Glory to God. Amen. He says in Ephesians verse five, excuse me, chapter five, verse eight, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are children, excuse me, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I'm going to read it again. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Listen, he's not asking you to pretend. He's not asking you to act like you're in the light. Why? Because you are in the light. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, amen, he delivered you again. And I keep saying it, out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he says, you were once darkness, but now, somebody say now, now you are children of light. You're light in the Lord. Amen. So walk as the children of light. Walk as who you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's telling us to shine. He's telling us to shine. Let's go back to our text, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Well, actually, I'm going to back up to verse 13. I'm going to back up to verse 13 right here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Salt is a preservative. Okay, it's a preservative. You have to understand the prophetic implications of being salt. Amen. I, I know some people are reading through Revelations and we talked about Revelations. Well, there's coming a day when the church is going to be raptured. It means that the church is going to be taken from the earth. Amen. We're the salt of the earth. We're the preservative. Because once the church is taken, the Holy Spirit who is in us is removed. Amen. He is the preservative. He is the 
preservative. And, and so we have to continue to be salt. We have to continue to be the preserving agent. We have to continue to go in and season because there is coming a time when the salt will be taken from the earth and then comes the tribulation. Amen. We, we have a purpose. We have a role to play here. Amen. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If, a, if salt loses its flavor, how are we going to season anything? If we become just like the world, how are we going to season the world? If we're taking on all the same media uh, stuff that the world is taking, how are we going to season the world? If we're just as dark as the world, how is it that we're going to season the world? You know, when we lived in Kansas, one of the things we had to do all the time is we had to shovel snow. Amen. We had to shovel some snow and we had to, and sometimes you would shovel it. But what became even da more dangerous is that that ice would melt. You would get this layer of ice that was on the steps on the sidewalk. Right. So what we would have to do is we would have to come and take salt and sprinkle it. On the sidewalk. Back in the day, Roman soldiers, when they were going into battle, they would take salt and they would sprinkle it down so they wouldn't, their feet wouldn't slip. Amen? We're supposed to be flavored. We're supposed to be flavored, but if we're not flavoring anything, we might as well just throw you on the ground and let people walk on you. That's what he's saying. No, you're called to be a preserving agent. Amen? That's what we're called to be. But look at verse 14. He says, you are the light of of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it in a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Amen. Family, point number one, and I, I'm trying to wind this down. I, I'm, I'm a little hyped up today. Point number one, don't be afraid to shine. Tell somebody, don't be afraid to shine. Amen. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. God made you light. He gave you light. So be the light. Don't be afraid to shine. Amen. This little light, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Each of us has a gift. Each of us has a character trait. We have an influence. We have a way that God has wired us and designed us to impact people around us. Amen. Use what you have. Be the light. Use what you have. Amen. And God brings people to our light. Amen. He brings people to the light that's in us. The encourager, the one who's an encourager, always finds themselves around people that need to be encouraged. Amen. Why? Because God brings people to the light that he put in you. Amen. The prophecy motivated person always finds himself around somebody that needs a little tough love, that needs to hear the truth. Amen. We might have gone to the encourager and we didn't hear what they had to say. So God then sends us to the, the prophecy motivated person and then they begin to speak truth. And we may not want to hear it the way it's coming. We wouldn't hear it over here. So he brings someone else to our light. Amen. We get that tough love. The prayer warrior intercedes. Amen. The jovial person brings life. To, to various situations, amen? The mercy-motivated person comes along and he cries with the other people that are going through. That's their gift. He said, I made you to be a light. Let your light shine. Tell people about the light, amen? Some of us, we don't want to, um, like I said, we don't want to market ourselves. We don't want to put ourselves out there because, well, I'm just this or I'm just that. No, you're a light. Shine. Use what God gave you. Amen. Don't be afraid to shine.
Some of you might be saying, well, I don't have a global ministry. I can't sing. I'm not a preacher or a teacher, but you have the light. Shine. Shine. Amen. Light drives out darkness just by being in the room. I'm going to say it again. Light drives out darkness just by being in the room. Amen. Shine. Don't dim your light or hide it because of what people think. Amen. When people want you to dim your light, they're one of three things. Either one, they're the darkness and they're trying to snuff you out. Right. Two, they're ignorant and they don't know that they need what you have. Amen. Which is another reason God will send you to them. Amen. Or number three, they're jealous and trying to outshine you. Amen. Don't dim your light for anybody else. You be authentically who God created you to be. Be bold and unashamedly who God created you to be. Let your light shine. Amen. Amen. I don't care what people think. What's that have to do with you? You shine. Amen. Number two, do the good works. Do the good works. Amen. Look at verse uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your light shine. Let your light so shine before men. That means don't, don't be afraid to let it shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Amen. In order for them to see your good works, you got to do something. Amen. You have to be about your father's business. You have to let your light shine. Again, now I'm not saying go out with a camera and give to the poor and let everybody see what you're doing. Okay, I'm not saying hold up a sign that says how many times you clean the bathroom at church. Amen. Most people will serve in those capacities. They don't want attention. They don't want anybody to know. Amen. But you've got to do something so God's light can be reflected in you. Amen. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. That uh, another version says we're his, one version says we're his workmanship. Another version says we're his handiwork. Another version says we're his masterpiece. Amen. But, but the way that God created us, he created us what? To do good works. We got to do something. We got to do something. Amen. And when we're doing something, we recognize it's not really about us. We're doing it for the glory of God. But guess what? You got to do it. Amen. Your light is not too small to make a difference. Remember, like I was talking about, when you're in a dark room, it's just a little bit of light that makes a difference. Amen. We, I remember when the military, when we're out in the field or in a combat situation, you have to be very cautious about what we would call light discipline. Okay, we're on the ground. You got to be careful about light discipline because a little bit of light can give away your position. It, it, it's, it, it can be very dark and shining a flashlight. Researchers say that a flashlight, a candle, even the light of the end of a cigarette is, is in, in very dark situations. You can see it for about three miles. You can see it for three miles. So you mean to tell me that little light can be visible in a very dark situation from long distances. Amen. It doesn't take a lot of light to make a difference. But you've got to do the work so people can see your light. You have to be about your father's business. You have to do the things that God is calling you to do. Amen. Let your light shine. Amen. He says in Isaiah 60 verse 2, he says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness to peoples, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. 
Amen. You got to do the work so God's glory can be revealed in you. Stop being ashamed of what God called you to do. Stop feeling like, well, it's not enough. I don't have this big thing. I can't do this. I can't do that. But you've got the light. Amen. You got to do the good works. You got to do the good works. Amen. Point number three. Give God the glory. Point number three. Give God the glory. Amen. You, you can't be afraid to let your light shine. You've got to do the good works. And when you do it, give God the glory. It's not about us. It's all about him. Amen. It's all about him. Hallelujah. It's all about him. You know, I love nights where there's a, a full moon out. Amen. You ever been out and there's just a full moon and everything is just bright? I mean, I'm telling you, those were some of the best nights to go flying and flying unaided, especially. Uh, especially even with goggles. It was great because it took those goggles, took the light that was out and it just amplified everything. It was like flying in the daytime. Amen. I love a full moon. But here's the thing. The moon has no brightness of its own. You ever think about that? As bright as the moon is in the sky, it, it, it's a big rock with no atmosphere. It doesn't have its own light source. All it can do is reflect the light from the sun. Amen? So the glory of the moon is really the sun. Because even though you see the moon, it doesn't have any brightness of itself, but it's just reflecting what it's been given. Amen. It's reflecting what's been given to it. So it in turn gives the sun glory for what has been created. It gives God glory. Have you ever looked at a moon, a, a, a full moon, and just thought about the wonder of God? You ever looked at the stars and just been in awe about the thing that God has created? That's how he designed us. He designed us to be in a dark place and reflect the light of the sun and give glory to God. People will see the good works and give God glory. That's what it says in Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. Again, it's not about us. It's all about him. But we can't be bashful and not reflect his light. It's just when we do it, give him the glory for it. Give him the glory for it. Amen. When you shine and you reflect him, people will give God praise for you. Amen. They're going to give God praise for the things that you do and the difference that you make. They're going to give the Lord praise. I remember, man, I, I was a worship leader. I used to be trying to be so humble, not accept compliments and all this stuff. And really, it was a false humility because I was pretty prideful at the time, if I'm being honest about it. Amen. I remember one day when this older lady came to me and she, she said, oh, I, I just really enjoy how you minister in song. And, and I got all religious with her. And I said, you know, it's not me. It's God. She says, well, I know that. She said, but he got you up there, don't he? <laughs> it's like I'm trying to, to, to present this false front instead of receiving what she said because she showed me a great kindness. When people give you a compliment, they don't have to do that. They're showing you a kindness. But your job is to in turn take that and give glory to God. You'd be gracious. What uh, my, my music mentor, Elder Renita, taught me. She said, when people give you a compliment, accept it because they're showing you a kindness. Accept it and turn and give it to God. Amen. It's being gracious. It's shine brightly for him. Use your light. Let him illuminate the darkness in you. And then just turn and give God glory for what he's done in you. Amen. That's what we're called to do. We don't want to try to take the credit for ourselves. 
Amen. We want to give it to God. And people in turn, sometimes they'll come to you and they'll say, man, thank you so much. Thank you for that word. And I'm just, hey, man, thank you, man. Praise the Lord, man. I'm, I'm grateful that God has used me. And thank you. You know, you just take that. But again, you're giving God the glory. We don't want to be like Herod. King Herod, the Bible says that he was giving a great speech and the people uh, told him this is the voice of God and, and not a man. And he didn't turn and give glory to God. And the Bible says he was eaten of worms and died. Amen. God doesn't share his glory with anybody. But again, when we do the good works, have a heart to glorify God. That's what the moon does. The moon isn't trying to be something. It's just doing. It's just taking the light that's been given to it, and it reflects it, and it shines it, and people in turn give God glory. That's what he wants to do in your life. Amen. So in closing, remember, share this little light. Share the light that God has given you. Let that light so shine. You know, when we were singing that song when I was a kid, uh, this little light of mine, I, they, they used to take turns when we were in church, and, and they would take turns allowing the kids to come up with a, another verse. You know, uh, be hiding under a bushel. You know, my, my, my verse, my go-to verse always at the time growing up in South Bend, Indiana, was shine all over Chicago. I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Chicago. I'm going to let it shine. Uh, we lived about an hour and a half away from the Windy City, and, and, and my thing was I'm going to take this light and shine it in a big place. Right, that was my that was my, my vision at the time, amen. And one day, one of the deacons came up to me and he asked me, he says, Why Chicago? And I answered, you know, about shining light in a major place, one of it being a big stage, and, and what could be better than that? And he says, Man, Jesus wants you to shine your light right where you are. He wants you to shine right where you are. It's not gonna take a, a big city, a big stage, a big ministry. He says he he placed you where you are so you can shine right there. So then my go-to verse became, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere you go, go let your light shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you have given us your light. You've given us the light of Jesus Christ to illuminate our darkness, to bring us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord God, we just ask today that you would forgive us, God, for the times when we've hidden our light, where we have, haven't wanted to shine. We, for, we ask you, God, to forgive us for becoming so dark adapted.